Hello, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Unscripted Leadership. I am your host, Heather Arrico, Vice President of Enterprise Sales and Sales Engineering for Comcast Business. Unscripted Leadership focuses on Comcast Business's role in the tech industry and how it serves its clients. The podcast highlights executives' challenges in their respective industries and how technology is enabling better efficiencies and productivity. You can find us on all of your favorite podcast sites, including iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. For our first episode today, I have the privilege of talking to Kim Romito, Senior Vice President and Chief Innovation and Technology Officer for the Atlanta Hawks and State Farm Arena. Welcome, Kim, to Unscripted Leadership. Thank you so much for having me, Heather. First episode. Yes, glad for you to be a part of this. So let's jump right in, kick us off, if you will, by sharing with the audience your background, Kim, and your journey really to becoming SVP and CITO of the Atlanta Hawks. Happy to. So I'm a big believer that no one succeeds alone. So my story is peppered with people who helped get me to where I am today. I think it starts off uh, very early when I was a, a little girl. My, my father's an aer- aeronautical engineer by trade. And so I grew up soldering circuit boards, playing with transistors and diodes. Wow. I was a ham radio operator when I was like seven or eight, which again, most people probably don't know what that <laughs> is, but that's okay. And, and did all the science fairs. It was wonderful. And then as I got older, and there wasn't a whole lot of STEM back then, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I, didn't want to be a nerd. And so I, I shied away from, from those, you know, the love of technology and, and you know, drifted a little further from that. So when I went to college at Ohio University, I started off as a mass communications major and found that it just, it wasn't challenging enough. Like mm. I, I, I wasn't in, inspired as I, I thought I should be. I'm like, college is supposed to really, you know, be what drives, drives it home for you, what you're going to do for the rest of your, your life, right? Uh, so I went and talked to a wonderful advisor, Dr. Trevor Roycroft, who suggested the Information and Telecommunications Systems Program and thought, you know, understanding my background, he was like, I think this is going to be a good fit for you. It'll be, it'll be a challenge, but it still involves, you know, the communications aspect as well as the technology. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, I'll give it a shot. And I was one of eight women in the program. There wow. weren't too many of us, but that, that's okay. And, and there were some tough days. I mean, there were nights where, uh, you know, it was three o'clock in the morning in the engineering lab and my code wouldn't come pile and I was in tears and we didn't even have cell phones back then so I couldn't call anybody to complain about it but but eventually the code did compile and uh, started you know really understanding the coursework and I, I'd say the pivotal moment for me was when I got my internship so thanks to Jonathan Ray and Brian Ireton I was uh, got interned uh, with AT&T in Columbus Ohio and learned so much in the service delivery aspect. Mm-hmm. And the neurons started firing, and I started connecting the OSI model and what I was doing in my lab and coursework into what we were doing in the field and what we were delivering. And I fell in love with tech at that moment. Like I, I knew I was set up to do what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. That's great. So I graduated from a high university, and I, I moved back. I, I moved with AT&T to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And was part of the sales the sales leadership program, which was great. Except four months later, SBC bought AT and T, and they you know they 
they termed all of us. And mm. so here I was, you know, 22 years old in a city I didn't know. And I was bound and determined to make it. I was I was not going to go back to uh, to Ohio. One of eight. Bound and determined. <laughs> One of eight. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so I, I put my resume on Monster. Mm-hmm. And six weeks later, I had a, a job offer from America's Mart. Um, John Portman uh, was you know, founded it, and it was it was a Portman company, Portman family company. And really started my career there and just looked for opportunities to raise my hand, to say, I want to take on more. I want to do more. Uh, the CFO uh, throughout the later part of my tenure was really became my mentor, Michelle Barton. And and she, you know, she saw in me something that maybe I didn't necessarily see in myself. Mm-hmm. And so I, I grew. And then when John Portman passed, the, the family decided to, to sell the company and Blackstone bought America's Mart. And Blackstone is wonderful wonderful private equity. We were so fortunate, um, but we were merged with another portfolio company. So they they flew all the executives out to Las Vegas, and uh, we were all in a room together, and they said, well, you know, we're, we're looking at the future of the organization, and in six months from now, half of you won't be here, but we fully expect that everybody be collaborative and cooperative, work with Bain & Company wow. to, to outline what the future of the organization looks like. And I, and I have to say that was probably the toughest six months of my life, because you, you knew you may not bear the fruits of all of the labors. But at the end of the six months, I was appointed the, the joint CIO of the organization. I was the first female CIO in the Blackstone real estate portfolio history, awesome. which was a real proud moment, except that you won't find that part on my LinkedIn profile because five weeks later, I got a call from the Miami Dolphins, mm. um, <laughs> which when I, when I got the call, Ted Hogan, wherever you are, Ted, thank you so much. Ted Hogan called me and uh, he'd seen what, what I had done as part of the lar- world's largest beacon deployment at the time from, from a road show mm-hmm. over the, the 7.2 million square feet in America's Mart. And I, I laughed and I said, I'm sorry, I think you have the wrong person. Like, I don't know anything about sports. I don't know why you're calling me. <laughs> And he said to me, he said, Kim, let me ask you a question. How big are the largest trade shows you put on? And I said, well, you know, eight days straight, 16-hour days, 100,000 people. And he goes, this is 65,000 people for four hours. You're going to be fine. You've got it. Exactly. Yes. I'm glad he believed in me because I didn't believe in me at that point. But sure enough, like, there were no female CIOs of any of the clubs. There, were, there was a league level, but none at the club level. And I thought, I, I have to do this. I need to do this. So packed up the car, and my husband is wonderful and supportive, and we drove to Miami and and started the next three and a half years of our life. And I got to do amazing experiences, Super Bowl 54, National Championship, Miami Open, the Dolphin season. We built a new uh, practice facility, Baptist Health Training Complex. In 11 months, stood up the Formula One Miami Grand Prix. Wow. It was it was a whirlwind of, of events. And while while uh, last year, while the Miami Open was going on, I got a call from, from the Atlanta Hawks. And it wasn't even a, a phone number I was supposed to answer. You know, I, I believe the universe does, does point you in the right direction. Yes. <laughs> and had a wonderful conversation with the Hawks. And I Atlanta's home now. Mm-hmm. I love Atlanta. I love the city. And so it was the perfect opportunity to come home. I, I made my mark down there. I did what, what I wanted to do. I think I set the team up for success. Wonderful people down there to Tom Garfinkel and Brandon Shore and Dan Casperson. I, I will be eternally grateful for giving me the opportunity to fulfill a vision of what, the tech, of to what technology should look like um, in Miami. But understanding what the Hawks wanted, understanding what State Farm Arena, the opportunities that presented themselves, it was time to come home. Mm-hmm. 
And so again, husband and I packed up the car <laughs> and, and, and moved back to Atlanta. And, and what a wonderful year it has been. Uh, we've gotten to do some fantastic things. I, I was able to establish a roadmap in, in September and had the support of Steve Coonan and ownership to really fulfill that, that roadmap. We've now gone from, from six employees to, you know, three times that we're at 18, which is great. We've wow. established an, an enterprise application division. We've established um, a product team and doing all of the, the traditional infrastructure that one would expect and all the game technology. So, so it's been, it's been really, really fantastic. And I am, I am very grateful to, to Joel Browning and to Steve Coonan for giving me the opportunity to, to serve in this capacity. Well, and they're excited to have you. We know. <laughs> I heard a couple things there. One is I heard don't go it alone. And I think that's an important message for everybody's uh, just path, right, in their mm-hmm. career path. So that's great that you – I'm sure you'll tell us more about uh, bringing everybody to the table here in a little bit. The other thing I heard is listen, answer the phone call, okay? <laughs> yes. When the phone rings, answer the call. And then two is to really listen because, you know, you could have told that professor, no, I don't want to get back into IT, but uh, look at what that sparked and where you are now. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty incredible. And, you know, speaking of incredible, when we met, this was just, we just got each other. You yes. know, it's just yes. this immediate <laughs> connection. And I'm like, you're my people. What is the about Kim? You know, you talked about not going it alone. What is it other experiences that you've had that make you this instant connector, right? And make people feel that way to you, just drawn to you and instantly connected to you? Well, I think there were two um, formidable experiences that I had. One was early on, I was doing a lab in college, um, and this one's not a positive experience, but I was assigned with an upperclassman, and we mm-hmm. were setting up a network, and it was really my first time understanding you know, some of the iOS commands and, and how, to, how to program up a, a network. Um, so it was taking me a little longer, and he got frustrated, and he just said, just step out of the way, I'll do it. Mm. And that moment you know, taught me two things. One, it's that I was going to work really, really hard, so I never had to have another moment like that in my career. And two, that I never wanted to make somebody else feel that way. Yeah, it was it was terrible. <laughs> and then the other for me would be something that Michelle Barton taught me early on, which is much more positive. It's not caring who gets the credit. It's mm-hmm. about planting the seeds. So things that we want to grow and blossom six months from now, 12 months from now, you know, planting the seeds with people who've got influence and who have, who have the ability to make change, do that all the time, no matter yeah. what, no matter what the initiative is, planting the seed, watering the seed and watching it grow in someone else's garden is so incredibly rewarding. Mm-hmm. And you just, you feel fulfilled because you've, you've let other people be successful and then plant their own seeds. Yeah. So true leadership is very selfless mm-hmm. because it's all about how we grow others. And I imagine you've grown a great bench out of operating in that way through the years too, right? You're bringing up your bench players. I, I'm very fortunate that um, I, I had somebody tell me recently that it's it's my coaching tree. So one of my, my former employees is now the, the head of technology down in Miami. And so he's he's the first of, of the coaching yeah. tree. Um, so I, I hope it is I hope it is a very a very broad coaching tree. I think that would be that would be what I'd like. A legacy to look like just your impact on others it's interesting that you use legacy because I think that's what when you told your original story about how you got started that's what people saw in you was the great mm-hmm. leader that you are and the potential that you had throughout time so it's just great to give back in that way and see you do that for others that's awesome all right so we talked about speaking of giving back we talked about this organization you've been a part of and in fact you helped found the Miami chapter of what's known as chief so can you share more about chief and how you're 
really progressing DEI and B and getting more seats at the table for female executives. Yes. Uh, and I love the and B. I and think B. that one is so yes, important. It is. Belonging is, is a huge part of success in this area. So with Chief, I was approached by a New York chapter originally about becoming a founding member down in Miami. And what I love about the organization is it's about giving executive women an outlet, Mm -hmm. getting them to the C-suite, and keeping them there. And I think that part's critically important. It's not just a milestone to say, oh, we've got two women on our executive committee. Not a check the box. You're keeping two women, and how are we continuing to grow and have parity, right? For me, what's been most impactful about Chief is actually the the core groups that they Mm -hmm. establish. So I meet monthly with my core group, and it's other female executives. So we've got a chief marketing officer, a chief executive officer, entrepreneur, uh, just a a bevy of women from other industries and other, other verticals that are fantastic that I can use as my corporate board, if you will. Mm-hmm. So when I was debating whether to take the job at the Hawks and, and you know, to really, you know, if I had done enough in Miami, that was really the only group I talked to mm. uh, because they knew what I was going through. They had changed jobs. They have worked at big companies. They understood the brands that were in play. And, and that was so fantastic. So you've got this first half of, of a two-hour session every month where it's executive coaching, mm-hmm. peer coaching, if you will. And then the second is is a leader-led session. So some topics, a deep dive into some topic and, and really helping us be better for our employees and for ourselves and for our families. And that has been hugely impactful in, in my life to have that group of women that I can depend on that understands, mm-hmm. you know, what I go through. And for also for me to understand a little bit more about them. I, I don't I don't understand the entrepreneurial experience. I respect the men and women who do that because yeah. it is not easy. So, so having that time set apart to also have have empathy with others mm-hmm. is hugely important. Yeah, you've heard the saying, you know, it's lonely at the top, but I think it's just great that you found this way to continually stay connected mm-hmm. um, and influence others too, right? Because you're a big influence around that table, you know, monthly in those meetings too. They're, uh, they're leaning on your experiences because I think one of the first questions I asked you was, hey, how did you go from America's Mark to <laughs> Miami Dolphins? And, you know, the truth is, again, just your great leadership through the years and people seeing you for who you are. Well, um, you. So I'm sure that, that you show up for them every month as well. And I, that's I, valuable. Yeah, I, I try because I think I hope that they're getting as much value out of their time as I'm getting out of mine. Yeah, no so. doubt. That's great. So this is talking about, you know, meeting with other chief executive officers, chief marketing officers, chief operation officers, et cetera. Tell me about what's the hot topics when you meet with other CIOs and CITOs. Oh, everything AI at the moment. Chat GPT-4, what's happening in the space, what's going to transform our environments. Uh, I was at a dinner, an executive dinner, about a month ago, and it got very heated. And you've got two camps in the AI space. One that is eternally optimistic about what AI will do and how it will transform the human experience. And then you have another camp that is very pessimistic, mm-hmm. maybe maybe Terminator-esque, if you yeah. will. I personally am in the optimist camp, and what I tend to focus on is actually how I think AI will disrupt higher education. Mm. If you look back at, at the education system over the last you know, 50, 100 years, it's 
all been memorization based. So whoever could remember the most became the doctor, the lawyer, most successful in our communities because they could recite the law. That's probably thousands of years old as we think about it. And what I think AI will do, what I hope it will do is become a great equalizer Mm. so that instead what we value as intelligence will be curiosity will be question asking, will be um, just inquisitiveness in general. Uh, I, I think I saw where prompt engineers for AI are currently making around $330,000 a year. Wow. Because asking the right question is so very important. And mm-hmm. I hope that that's what translates to the AI journey that we're, we're embarking on. It's, it's wonderful to be standing at a precipice at, at this point in the technology history and understand the impact that it's it's about to have and to be to be optimistic about that impact. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I, I think to some degree you can't fight it. It's coming. So it's, absolutely. back to where we started, you know, don't go it alone. Let's figure out how we can mm-hmm. double down and make this help us. Correct. Um, but, you know, curiosity is really one of the top leadership pillars, depending upon anybody that you look at. Right. And leadership, they stay curious. That's how they continue to grow. So mm-hmm. it's interesting to think about that AI is going to help us in that way and that it's going to help kids even as they come up through K through 12 and through university systems and not leave anybody behind, if you will. That's, no. a, that's a great take. All right, great. So can you also share with me, we're going to pivot a little bit here, but mm-hmm. what's a charity or community investment that's a passion project for you? Yes, this was great. When you join an organization, especially at this level, you really take the time to try to understand the culture of the organization mm-hmm. and what's important to the organization. And the Atlanta Hawks and Safe from Arena. We, we have a wonderful, wonderful partnership with State Farm. And in fact, we have a multitude of State Farm Good Neighbor Clubs scattered across the city. So we look at these community centers and stand up the Good Neighbor Clubs. And what's been really fun for me is we'll have STEM nights. So That's we go great. and we expose you know children who may not have experienced a lot of technology to robotics. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll showcase drones. We'll showcase you know programming and, and actually a music education and how music is technology at the end of the day. It, it's been a wonderful initiative to be part of and to be an advocate for. And we're, we're just so blessed to have that relationship with State Farm and with the communities mm-hmm. and the people in the communities who want to expose their children to these these offerings. That little seed, again, we're talking about seeds. Yes. That little seed for, for me with my dad, you know, started off what has been a wonderful career. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I get to give people some of the best experiences of their life. Who, who wouldn't want to do that? And so my hope is we're planting the seed for someone else mm-hmm. for, what, for what they could be doing the rest of theirs. And giving them access. I mean, mm-hmm. some of these kids may not have access to that. So it's so great that State Farm is doubling down on, you know, the future of um, our world with the kids. So absolutely. And then it's not, it's not lip service. It's not rhetoric. I mean, we are, we are there, we are in, as involved as an organization. And, and I, I love the authentic servant leadership that it provides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. That's great. It's not just about the fans. It's about so much more and how can we give back? That's mm-hmm. important. All right. Speaking of this, so speaking of the fans, mm-hmm. what technology trends are you excited to explore? Because we talk about it. One of the very first things you said to me was, hey, we're tech first. We want to be tech first and we are tech first. So how does Comcast help us do that? We'll get into that in a minute. But you know, why is that important to you and what does that look like for the Atlanta Hawks? Absolutely. We, uh, we were led by Steve Coonan, and he really talked 
talks about technology being relevant and reliable and removing friction from the fan's experience. And so that's that's a big focus for us mm-hmm. is from the time the fan leaves, you know, decides to buy a ticket, you know, coming to the arena, going through security, going through ticketing, how can we reduce friction? What can we do with point of sale? We uh, we recently launched an, uh, an initiative with global payments to mm-hmm. look at our commerce and completely overhaul that. And then it's about more than the friction reduction. It's about the surprise and delight. And also for us, it's sustainability. Mm-hmm. We were very fortunate to be the first certified zero waste arena in the country. And what that really means is we divert more than 90% of our of our waste from landfill and that starts with supply chain you know are you sourcing compostable goods it it includes working with partners like comcast to figure out you know water meters and other things that we can Mm -hmm. be doing to to look at how we reduce our footprint it's wonderful that we are empowered to go on these journeys that impact so many different areas you know the fans are at the heart of everything we do but we try to think you know globally as well as locally This is great because if I think back to early on in our careers, we thought of technology as maybe just networks. You know, that's what maybe our people think or our customers think or our fans think. But the truth is that it's so much more. And to think that your department is running all of that, including AI, I'll call it IoT efforts Mm -hmm. or um, sustainability efforts, is just that technology is in charge of all of that these days is really powerful. Um, So thinking about that at Comcast Business, all of those things are options too. You know, it's not just networks anymore. It's all of the services that we just talked about and more and really servicing that ecosystem. So talk to me about why you choose us and continue to partner with Comcast Business. Uh, Of course. Well, I have to say first, if we were just doing a pipes how boring would that be yeah <laughs> what, what a wonderful evolution to now be able to see all parts of the business and understand it I, I do right. I do fancy myself an enterprise architect at heart so understanding data and systems and what gets us to a great place and Comcast has been a wonderful partner in that evaluation so I think when we think about Comcast as a business, we think about the depth and breadth of services offered. So your security, your observability, DDoS mitigation, we move into sustainability, we start talking about bandwidth, we talk about the fan experience. I remember when I first met you, I wanted to remove friction. I wanted the, the splash page off the arena Wi-Fi. And we talked for maybe one minute and I told you why I wanted to do it and you instantly got it. <laughs> there was no pushback. There was no, are you sure? I, I We had a plan. I'm we, with we you. And, yes. and so you, you helped make that a reality and you were a partner in in obtaining our vision. And that's why we choose Comcast. That's why we will continue to choose Comcast is because of those things. That is so great for you to say and share those experiences with everyone. Thank you for sharing that. And look, we really appreciate your insight today. I personally appreciate getting to know you, um, you sharing more about who you are today with all of us. We thank you so much for being a Comcast business customer, but a true partner. And you said you you said partner, and that's just really the right word. So thanks so much. Thank you, Heather. All right. Well, great having you today. For our listeners out there, Comcast Business offers Ethernet, Internet, Wi-Fi, mobile, voice, TV, and managed enterprise solutions to help organizations of all sizes transform their business. Talk to us today to find out how we can help your business grow and thrive. And you can find the Unscripted Leadership Podcast published monthly. So we hope you will continue to tune in with us next month and beyond. Thanks all. 